Hello, and thanks for tuning in to our Monday Night Godcast, an immersive and interactive discussion of the Bible. If you're listening to this right now, then I know for a fact that God has something for you. That's right, you. I'm glad you're here. Let's dive into God's Word and see what He has in store for us today. Good to be back. It's good to see a bunch of faces here. Someone said it was like, was it Haley or someone was like, oh, it's good to be on this couch again. Oh, <laughs> Garrett, good. yeah. It's good to have a bunch of people on the couch. You need a second couch. And the bonus couch. And the bonus couch. Bonus couch. Third couch. So, who knows anything about the book of Habakkuk? I heard a handful of people say earlier today, like, Never knew this was a book. It's a good book. A very short mm-hmm. book. My favorite type of book. Very short. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like three pages long. It's very condensedly written. <laughs> so from, and mine, it's one page. It's only one page. One page on yours. Right? Condensely words. Condensely It's like it's all. No, front and back. Yeah, front and back. back. So, Habakkuk is a prophet. As far as prophets, you know, we have your your major prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah. Habakkuk is one of the minor prophets. Um, He's not as well known, um, but, you know, he's in here with some of the other prophets. It's a pretty cool message. And as far as hearing from God, you don't get much more of hearing from God than the book of Habakkuk, where it's Habakkuk speaking, the Lord replying. Habakkuk speaking, the Lord replying. And it's a pretty cool pattern that you get to see. It's a very poetic book. Um, it's also one of the um, poetic books of the Bible. So we'll see kind of what Habakkuk is talking about here. And I think we'll probably all be like, hey, this seems like he's speaking in 2023. And yeah, so let's dig in. Does anybody want to read 1 through 4? I'll take it. Oh, you want to throw it up? No, I'm sorry. Gun it. All right. The prophecy that the back of the prophet received. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Uh, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is... Strife and conflict abounds. There, therefore, the law is paralyzed, and justice never prevails. The wicked and the righteousness, so that justice is perverted. Mm-hmm. Does that sound like present day or what? Mm-hmm. What's Habakkuk saying here? I think at the beginning, he's like, how long do I do this for? Like, verse 2 is like, how long must I call for help but no response? Yeah. Like, I feel like if we call out for help in any type of situation, um, you know, do we get a response? Is anyone listening? Um, I could say, like, real-life scenario, if you're stuck in the middle of something or literally you're on the side of the road and you're calling for help in bad reception, could be any type of scenario, are you going to get a response? Is someone going to find you? Or are you going to get able to get to service to call? So I feel like there's multiple scenarios here that I think any of us can be in or have been in where you're like, do you have a response? Is there a response? And are you going to get one? Yeah. 
What else do you guys see on what what what's uh what's weighing heavy on the back of his heart? What do you guys see weighing heavy on the back of his heart here? Well, he's looking at all the the um what he considers injustice and evil in the world and saying like why do you look at that and you're okay with it, you know. You see which is a question that everybody asks at every moment of history. You look at things, evil things happen in the world, and it's like, well, if there is a God, why all those things happen in the world? And that's what he's saying. And I think that that's why he gets a response, because he's being like, you know, this is what is in my heart, and I don't understand why so many bad people get to do bad things and prevail, or what he thought was prevailing, and he's just being frustrated. Yeah. And for good reason, right? Doesn't it doesn't it suck to see evil people prevail and to see good people fail? Mm-hmm. So let's look at the Lord's reply. Uh, we're in Habakkuk one. Uh, he wants to take verse five through eleven. God's first answer. Look at the nations and observe. Be utterly astounded. For something is taking place in your days that you will not believe when you hear about it. Look, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter, impetuous nation that marches across the earth's open spaces to seize territories and not its own. They are fierce and terrifying. Their views of justice and sovereignty stem from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards and more fierce than the wolves of the night. Their horsemen charge ahead, their horsemen come from distant lands. They fly like an eagle, swooping to devour. All of them have come to do violence, their faces are set in determination. They gather prisoners like sand, they mock kings and rulers are a joke to them. They laugh at every fortress and build siege rams to capture it. Then they sweep by like the wind and pass through. They are guilty, their strength is their god. Alright, so what's the Lord saying? What's God's response? Things are about to go down. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he's saying. Exactly. Habakkuk's asking, how long must I call for help and and I don't hear a response? How long is all this evil going to happen? And God's like, I'm going to use this evil nation to rule over you guys. They're going to keep conquering land and they're going to keep devouring. What do you guys think about that? I'm I'm thinking what God is trying to get a point across is that he's going to, that all these horrible things that are about to happen, that that are happening and going to happen and are going to continue to happen, they're so bad that when you do see God come and he does save you, you're going to be in such awe of his glory that when he does come, you're not going, it's, you're not going to believe that since you're going through so much hardship that he's not going to waste your troubles. He's not going to waste your pain. God doesn't waste our pain and anything. And that he says, I know you're going through a lot of stuff right now, but compare the pain that you're feeling now compared to the glory that is yet to come, it will be immeasurable. I needed to hear that. <laughs> I'm here for a reason. It's right there. It's in the 
That's awesome. Amen. It's, it seemed like God wasn't doing anything during these events. And in our lives, we can also question what God is doing during our own tragedy. Like Habakkuk, we should realize it's no one to ask these questions. You know, like what he was asking in the beginning. How long, O Lord? How long must I cry out for help but you don't listen? We should realize it's normal to ask these questions, to call out to God, to ask Him to intervene in our time of trouble. And just like in our previous discussion with Job, you know, Job felt a very similar thing. His children were killed, all his possessions were taken away from him. It wasn't a lack of faith to complain about our circumstances to God. Too often we believe that questioning and crying out to God shows a lack of faith. But our complaints and wrestling with faith allows us to join in a long line of people throughout history who have gained, who have grown in faith by asking God questions and seeking out answers. Even Jesus himself asked God if there was a way to redeem humanity from their sins that didn't involve the cross. In Luke twenty-two forty-two, he asked God, like, if there's another way, take this, take this cup of suffering away from me. The Bible is full of examples of people who were able to walk the line of asking questions to God without questioning God's plan. That's kind of, that's a key point right there. And maybe it's rhetorical, maybe not, maybe you might have a partial answer to it, but how is asking God questions different than questioning God? How is asking God questions different than questioning God? I feel like it's the approach that you make it. Like, you're just asking out of curiosity to truly learn, then instead of like go, coming at him, like mm. it's too different. It's like the attitude mm. you have behind it. Which one is a bad doing? Asking God questions. Yeah. Maybe he's lost. He doesn't really understand why it's exactly happening the way it is, mm. and he's really just he's 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 like I think he's coming from an honest heart. He's like, God, why is there violence? Why aren't you doing anything? I thought you were this other God, but now you're not even... It's like you've forgotten me. Mm-hmm. He feels he feels forgotten, I think. Yeah. Um, today I was going through the first chapter, and like I went through that... Um, little video thingy that the version app does, the Bible project. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I was mentioning that like the this book is kind of like in the poetic type mm-hmm. form thing and talk about lamenting. Mm-hmm. Um, so is lamenting kind of the same thing as like what we're talking about of, you know, asking God questions of like, hey, you know why is this happening I just want to understand or is the lamenting more so of like God like do something I'm demanding something of him you know that makes sense (laughs) so is it that Habakkuk was just lamenting like he's really sad and just wanting to understand Mm -hmm. that's it and he wasn't he wasn't like frustrated himself or did he also feel the frustration, but 
was more so on that side of under of just trying to understand what's yeah. going on. Like that has been a question on my mind all day. <laughs> I think he was I mean, he was actually calling out to God and God responded to him. So it wasn't just a Ah, oh, why is this happening to me? It's not just kind of like a oh, like why is it, you know he's mm. he's bringing his his complaint to God essentially, um, looking for an answer, and he's even saying like how much, how long must I call out for help? But you don't listen. But then the Lord responds. Did that answer your question or no? Yeah. So again, just trying to connect the dots. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like that Habakkuk didn't use, you know, fancy, eloquent words or anything. You know, he's not speaking in religious talk or Christianese or anything. You know, he, he just cuts straight to the point. How long, O oh Lord, must I call for help but you don't listen? He's honest. He's bringing his concerns straight to God. He's asking, how long? And the beautiful thing is that we can approach God in the same way. We can just be 100% direct. Now, he's not... He's not questioning God. He's not like, God, why are you a bad God? Why are you, you know, why are you doing this? He's not pointing his finger at God, but he's bringing his concerns to God. Just like Kayla said, it's it's in how do you say it, it was in yeah, his, it's his approach. approach. Yeah, the attitude. His approach, attitude. You know, because there's a difference between questioning God and asking God questions. To go along with the poetry of what you were saying, Yana, this book is very poetic, and I mean, just in, in how he's talking, and we'll see it more throughout this book, and in the Lord's response, you know, he's saying like the, just how 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 they talk, you know, like like I could just say, like I love you, and it gets a point across, right? It conveys that I love you care for you, but to express it in a poetic way is a whole lot more vivid, it's more memorable, helps you remember it, it's more eloquent. I could be like, oh, forever my heart is where you will be. Nobody else will ever enter because you ha you have the only key, right? It's, it's a lot more has a lot more depth to it than just I love you. It's a lot of raw emotion. It's, it's yeah, raw. it's a lot more emotion. It's a lot more going on, and that's a lot of what's going on here in this in this book. Uh, unfortunately, that's not an original Ben poem. Uh, yeah, my my poem book is uh, hidden away somewhere. I haven't found it yet either. <laughs> <laughs> but poet, poetic uh, poem bring about a whole lot more emotion. It's pregnant with persuasion. It's beautiful. It's more memorable. I had a question or something to yeah. point or to point look towards. In uh, verse four in the beginning of the chapter, it says, "Therefore the law is paralyzed, and justice never prevails." The wicked hem in, right, in the righteousness so that justice is perverted. And the word hem is to sow or to. So the wicked is sowing themselves in mm. to the righteous people. So there was once the righteous people. And now the wicked is starting to hem themselves or starting to sow themselves within those righteous people. 
And so now, now that one justice, it looks like justice, mm. but that justice is now being perverted. Mm. Um, I think this is also more, this is also kind of like with the poetry, it's talking of prophecy. Um, because then in God, in the Lord's response, he says, he talks about what kind of people he's talking about. Like, because he says, these people are concreting violence. Well, who, who are these people? And then verse seven, it goes, they are feared and dreaded people. They are a law of themselves and promote their own honor. So these people that are weaving are the wicked, hemming themselves in righteous, are people that are only there to their own laws. They're looking for their own truth. They're only trying to promote their own honor. And then in verse 9 and 10, it goes, They all come in intent of violence. Their hordes advance like the desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scuff the rulers, scuff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities. But by building earth, earthen ramps, they capture them. They that sweep past like the wind and go on guilty people whose, whose own strength is their God. So it's saying that, surely, like, don't know the verse. It's like, the wicked will surely have their gift of earth. Hmm. Like, they won't, like, if you want earthly things, mm -hmm. then God will give it to you. Mm -hmm. You're not just going to. Like, if you want money, you want the fame, you want this, then surrender yourself to the wicked one, Satan, and you will have it. But if you don't, you surrender yourself to Jesus, then you will be prosecuted, and you will be, you won't have that perfect money and fame in your life. But I think that's what the Lord is responding to. I'm like, if you want what they have, if you want to be violent and you want to give your own honor, then do what they do. But I have something better for you in the future. Yeah. That brings up that verse, um, when it says, "What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world yeah. mm -hmm. and lose That's, his own yeah, soul?" Yeah, that one. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's like Satan will leave you if you just want to be in the world. If you want to be a rapper, if you want to do mm -hmm. all this stuff, and you're deceived. But as soon as you start following Christ, all of the demons try to attack. Life you seems a lot harder. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I like the footnotes. Like for me, I'm reading NIV, but like for verse nine. It says there for the word, I think it's the meaning of the Hebrew for this word is uncertain. Mm. And I think when we when London read it for verse 6, it says Babylonians, but then it also says or, Chald or Chaldeans. Mm -hmm. So definitely like looking at, if you look at the version app or if you look at, maybe if you have a, uh, a hard copy Bible, you can mm. kind of look at the bottom and kind of connecting what a word that reads from different translations always fascinates me, like it would be KJV or so I always find that fascinating, especially diving into an older book or a shorter book like this book is. So mm. Definitely good point of what you said there. I wanna I wanna do a little cross reference here. Uh, looking at verse uh, two through four, um, I see something kind of similar in Psalm thirteen. Can somebody turn to Psalm thirteen? Or everybody. <laughs> I got it. We're gonna read the whole song, oh, all six it. verses of it. So long. I have it. No matter. I could split it with somebody. Zach, you want to split it with me? Uh, I don't. I'll, I'll just take the whole thing. All right, That's go cool. For it. You got it. All right. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? 
Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep of the of what? Lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. It sounds very similar to what Bacchus was just complaining, yeah. his, his first complaint there. And then I, I kind of want to, I found like a resolution almost to that psalm. Psalm 116, verse 1 through 8. Psalm 116. Is it 1 through 8? Yes. I have this one. Want to read it? Uh, go for it. Psalm, Hello, the Lord. One more second. Oh, sorry. One more second. Psalm 116, verse 1 through 8. Go for it. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called in the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary when I was brought low, he saved me. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For your Lord have delivered me from death, my ears from tears, I'm sorry, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. That's good. Cool, thank you. Mm -hmm. That's a good connection. God is sovereign. He reigns on the good and the bad, the lawful and the unruly. Just as God created the heavens and the earth, he created all mankind and will use them as he sees fit. When Jonah protested because God blessed the people of Nineveh, God asked him who he thought he was to question the creator. That was in Jonah 4, 4 uh, Jonah chapter 4. The same applies here. God will bless whom he chooses, and judge who he chooses, and use who he chooses. It's his right as God. So, the question to, to us is how will we choose to act? Or how will we choose to worship? Or will we choose to worship? When God chooses to do things that we don't understand. Or when he chooses to do things that you don't agree with, like Habakkuk. The question is, how will we choose to act? And who will we choose to worship? It's one thing to call out and say, God, I don't understand what you're doing. To even be like Habakkuk, how long? How long must I cry out for help? Or be like David, how long, O Lord, also? But to do that while worshiping, to do that to, to praise the song, I will serve you while I'm waiting. I will worship while I'm waiting. <laughs> Kayla knows it. She's jamming out already. <laughs> right? What are you going to choose to do when, when you don't understand? See, because it is easy to worship God when your money's in to check. Your job's secure. You got a house with a roof over your head. Mm -hmm. It's easy to pray the worship God than that. But then when sickness comes, family, something happens, 
are you still worshiping God in that same sense? Maybe you still have a mournful heart, but are you still seeking to worship God? Just as Job did when his whole family, like he, Job got a lot taken away from him. Just he like got, that. Like in a snap. And that was, that was just because a, uh, Satan came to God and said, yeah, I think he's faking. So let's just take everything away from him. And he didn't, but he still got down on his knees and decided to worship God. Didn't understand. And then eventually, after being pricked and prod by his friends, he did get a little angry with God, and that's when God came and was like, listen, you don't really understand the full picture. But, yeah. Yeah. Why do you guys think it is, why do you, why do you think it's so hard to be patient while we wait for God? I think a lot has to do with our perspective of who God is and who we are compared to Him and to everybody else because of many things. One, the gift that He gave us of freedom is bigger than we think it is. Like other people have freedom as well to do, to choose as however they please and people can be evil, they can be deceiving, they can go against you, they can harm you, they can kill you, they can... They can do whatever they want the same way that you can say i love the lord or i don't want the lord like you have freedom the same way that wicked people have freedom and the same way you have the freedom to choose to control yourself and to look at the lord not as someone who has to serve you but someone that created the world to serve him and to look over everything on the perspective that we are here and he's always here and his timeline, it's so much bigger than ours, that this side of heaven, we chose sin one day, and he didn't stop us. Like, he stopped us from having eternal life, which is a bizarre story, that he didn't protect that tree from being eaten, but then he protected the other tree from giving us eternal life while we were sinners. So he let us choose evil because we wanted to, and because that way we know that we love him because we chose to love him and we came to him because we chose to come from him and not because he created us with no capability of evil but also he has an eternity for us and what we're building here counts for here but also counts for then and all the wickedness is not going to exist forever so if our perspective it's only on this life like paul says like we're the most miserable beings because we're expecting reward after reward after reward and in what 80 90 years of life if you're very healthy and if you you know eat vegetables and live this long and then and then what like there's eternity eternity it's it's so much more yeah. but we don't count it and because we don't count it we get impatient because we think that this is all there is so i think it's perspective yeah yeah i got i gotta add to that that was powerful <laughs> this this is one thing i said before that the lord just showed me he said um how we, this is the only time we get to cry and actually praise God. This is the only time that we get to stress or like be frustrated and still pursue God until we, we rest in eternity forever right. and joy praising God. So that's yeah. 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 I, there was something you said that that really it kind of resonated with me. Of you said something along the lines of you know like when we realize that. God created us, you know, that like he didn't create us so that he can serve us so that we, so we can serve him. Mm -hmm. I think, I think that's a, that's a big part of, I think why it's so hard to be patient in, in waiting for God's plan, you know, or just waiting on God or just to understand his will is that we so often ask, 
God, when, when will this happen? When will you do this? Mm. And it's, I mean, like, I wonder how many times he asks us that same question, but we're just not listening. Ben, how long until you're going to do this? Mm. When are you going to do this? When are you going to stop doing that? Mm. And instead, I'm just like, you know, <laughs> or people in general ask, God, how much longer until this promotion? How much longer until this new job? How much longer until this new house? How much longer until this relationship? How much longer until, you know, this change? Until this family member does this? Until this person does this? Until how much longer will this evil nation be able to do this? Now, that's a great thing to ask. But so often we ask about, like, me, 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 me. God, serve me. God, serve me. God, do this for me. It's like... It's not about us. But there's nothing wrong with asking for things for yourself to, to ask God because He cares and He wants to help you. I think the positioning is an important part of it. I think asking, how is God positioning me in the midst of this, whatever your current situation or struggle is, how is God positioning me in the midst of this to have me where He wants me to be? Where did He put you at? Where are you at? What did He equip you with? Because we need to be in a position, you know, like before battle, you know, they're kind of like, all right, take your positions. I don't know what kind of battle this is, a medieval battle or something. But <laughs> <laughs> take your positions, right? You know? Yeah, but everything's a spiritual battle. Uh, John John fifteen seven. I wrote this down. I was gonna put this in here for him. John fifteen seven. Ah, your position. Okay. And, and how we need to posi be positioned. John 15, 7 says, But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. So your position in that situation is rooted. Rooted in Christ. Attached. Looking at verse 5, I know it's probably not tied in, but isn't verse 5, some of the words in there... I think it does kind of connect with the Lord's answer, at least. Yeah. Maybe not with. I always want to botch his name out. Habakkuk. Habakkuk. I'm, I'm sure it is. I think it ties into with what the Lord's answer is, with where it says, "I am the vine." So this is Jesus talking. Where it goes, 
I am the vine, so Jesus is the vine. It says, Ye are the branches, and you are the branches off the tree. He that abideth in me. So he's saying, so like all these people, like the Babylonians, which is unrighteous people, there's a new movie coming out called The Babylonians. And it's about unrighteous people. Um, about Hollywood and how unrighteous they were back in early when Hollywood was first coming out. That's what Babylonian is. It's an unrighteous person, unholy, sinful person. Um, but they were abiding by their God, and it's saying to worship, um, if you worship me, then you will be grafted onto my tree. You know how the Lord, when he was saying, they're worshiping their God, they'll have their own strength. What he's saying, come with me, be better again for you. So I guess it does kind of tie into that. The song I do not know. <laughs> I feel like it is probably good. I think it says something about the vine dresser. I'm Bless working you. on it. Thank you. Bless Bless you. you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's look at the uh, this last part of chapter one. Anybody want to take uh, verse twelve to the end? And actually, you can even read into verse one of back two because I feel like it should have ended there. <laughs> yes. When I first read the chapter one, I definitely read ahead of because I was like, this cannot end here. Yeah, Habakkuk's complaint goes through verse one of chapter two, and then the Lord's second response start in chapter two, verse two. I'm like, I don't know why they didn't just have one more verse in chapter one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anyway, anybody want to take that? Sure. Okay. O Lord, my God, my Holy One, you who are eternal, surely you do not plan to wipe us out. O Lord, our rock, you have sent these Babylonians to correct us. To punish us for our many sins but you are pure and cannot stand the sight of evil will you wink at their treachery should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than than they are we only fish to be caught and killed are we only sea creatures that have no leader must we strung up on their hooks and caught in their nets while they rejoice and celebrate then they will worship their nets and burn incense in front of them. These nets are the gods who have made us rich, they will claim. Will you let them get away with this forever? Will they succeed forever in their heartless conquests? I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my god post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. What's Habakkuk's second complaint about? It's about everlasting. Um, bad things happening to good people and good things happening to bad people. Very much. It hasn't been a question for millennia. Mm -hmm. I think he's complaining about God's answer just now that he gave him. That it was, he was God pretty much saying, yeah, I'm sending these people. And now he's like, why are you doing that? Yeah. I was like, well, why, why you got to do that to me? Why are we not, are we, are we fish to you? Or are we just something to, for them to get caught in their net? <clears throat> so I think he's just asking. Now he's just complaining about the answer he just got. Yeah. So I think that, I think that's a lot of the times, at least me personally, where I'll be asking God questions and I'll get an answer in life and I'm like, God, that's really not the answer I was looking for. <laughs> no. Why? The, why is that? Now you got more questions, even though you just got an answer from God. 
Like that that should be plenty like I mean the audacity of humans to get an answer from the creator of the universe and then to even question further on to. But then I guess it is like what Caleb was saying, the attitude you have towards that. Are you asking questions to further understanding, or are you asking questions to because you have distrust in God? Yeah. That's a very real perspective to be like, you know, you ask a question to God, God answered you, and you're like, nah, I don't like that. I don't like that, God. Why are you going to do it like that? Um, I like that. Um, yes, he, he is um, saying that he doesn't like the first answer that God gave him first, but he does. I like that he starts out his second complaint mm. acknowledging um, that, like, God is his God and he is the Holy One and he is eternal. Um, and like he's giving honor to God first, knowing that, you know, he is in control of everything. He's, he's frustrated and he's being humble about it, but he's still acknowledging like, okay, God, I understand you are holy, you are eternal, you're amazing. But, and then he goes on with his, with his questions. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good perspective. He's still acknowledging who God is. He still knows who he is. He's still his God. Habakkuk isn't like, hey, you know, I'm not liking this. I'm going to give you another chance to give me a better answer. He's like, oh, Lord, my God, my Holy One, you who are eternal. So is that like that attitude change where he it first is. recognizes God? And then he goes on to his complaint. He, he's still, you know, it's still titled Habakkuk's second complaint. And yeah, it's complaint. He's bringing his concerns to God, which is what we should be doing. That's the only, that's the first place we should be taking any of our concerns. Mm -hmm. yeah. It shouldn't be our last place to go to, but our first. But that's that switch in attitude where you first acknowledge, like, okay, I know you're God. I know you're everlasting. You're my rock. But here's my questions. This, yeah. is where this is where I'm falling short of my understanding. Yeah, it, that's a great way to put it. He's falling short of his understanding. He is... He, he doesn't understand why God is doing what God is doing. And I think that is a perfectly acceptable place to be. Because I've said this before and I'll say it again. I don't want to ever be in a place where I fully understand what God is doing. Because if I do, then that means that I put myself above God, that I know everything better than him or just as well and that's not a God I want to serve but if I can fully understand my God that's not a God worth serving mm -hmm. if I can't understand what he does that means that his ways are better than my ways and, and he has so much more understanding than I do and that's the way I want it to be but he's still it, there's no problem with saying God I don't understand why you choose to do it this way but I'll still choose to worship you Nonetheless. If he wasn't so poetic like and serious the way he talks, it would be like kind of funny because what he's complaining is not only that the answer was not the one that he wanted to hear, but he's saying like, oh, he's complaining about his own people. It's like, oh, there's so much injustice, yeah. there's so much weakness, like you have to solve this. And then God said like, so I'm sending like these other people, they're the worst mm -hmm. and they're going to get over your people. And just like get all of you and kill a bunch of you. And it's like, but they are worse. Yeah. Like, why are you sending the people that do all the things that I'm complaining about and send them over us to to rule over? It's like it makes no sense. Mm -hmm. So it's a it's a justified 
point, you know, he's being, you know, very respectful, yeah. and very serious, but he's saying like, but God, they are worse than us, so why would that solve anything? Does that make sense? Yeah. You know? That's a completely valid complaint that Habakkuk is bringing up. Um, I also think it's really cool how in the first Lord's re response, um, he describes, I don't know if you guys already talked about this when I went upstairs, but anyways, um, <laughs> the way that God, like, compares, you know, how they march across the world and conquer other lands and the whole, like, horses are swifter than cheetahs and fiercer than the wolves and stuff. Um, he's talking about how, you know, he's going to use these Babylonians to attack the Israelites or the people that the people who they're going to attack Israel I don't know correct me if I'm wrong this is a lot of my questions when I read the Bible like historical uh, <laughs> references I don't like sometimes I read them but like I don't know what time period they're talking about sometimes I feel like the the Israelites were being, you know, stupid like we are, and um, and then this whole thing happened. Yeah, I, I think it was either like a particular tribe or yeah, yeah. But anyways, so yeah, he describes all that how you know fears that these people are gonna come at the other people, um, but then um, Habakkuk says that uh, Lord that. God is his rock, and that he is sending the Babylonians to correct them. I thought that was really cool, too, because it's like, yeah, they are worse than your people, but, you know, I'm going to use them for something good to correct you guys, because you guys are also bad, but in the Lord's eyes, like, sin is sin. There's no big, you know, there's no worse or, or whatever sin. Sin is sin, but he's just using them to like as a correction and to say like hey I'm God I can do these things and you will see in the end the whole purpose of it all wait the reason why they went through this hard time is because they were disobedient or is it like it just happened Understand context of like how we got get into the book of Habakkuk. Yeah, so and this was so it was yeah. Judah, um, which is a you know a tribe of Israel. Okay, ah, that's what. So God raised up the Babylonians to basically chastise Judah. Um, what was your question? I was just asking like, did they go through all this hardship because of disobedience and like just not listening to God? I think it's partly disobedience and it's it was the wickedness of the nation and it was God using them to kind of using the Babylonians to bring Judah back to him back to God mm -hmm. um, where a lot of times we see you know throughout all of like the whole Old Testament we see like um, people of Israel were worshiping God and then they turned away and they worshiped other idols and then bad things happened and they repented and turned to God and God 
saved them. And then they worshipped idols again, and then bad things happened, and then they repented and turned back to God, and then God saved them, and then they worshipped idols, and it keeps going back and forth. And every time, you know, God will use different things throughout history to draw their attention back to him because they have strayed away and they've, they've wandered away and God will use different things, everything from plagues to other nations taking over, ruling over them. So yeah, I think it was just kind of a call back to, hey, let me use this nation to drive out this wickedness and have them come back to me. I feel like God's protection just leaves. Like it's like, imagine like a giant hand just covering over Israel and as they keep sinning, it's like his hand just you know, it was like tying God's hands or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like um, you guys want to act like the world. I'll let you experience the world, and mm. they experience the world. The word "world" English is hard. <laughs> um, they experience the world, and they're like, "Oh yeah, actually, God, you do have what's best for us." Um, draws them back to him in that way. Yeah. So, I feel like God is saying here, I'm going to let them feel the pain of a physical exile so that they can see the sin of their spiritual exile. Mm -hmm. There's often a message in the silence, turn to me and repent. Mm -hmm. There's often the message. When, God, when, when Habakkuk started off his chapter saying, How long, O Lord, must I ca uh, call out for help, but you do not listen? Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you don't come to save. Habakkuk's like, God, there's a lot of evil going on, and we're crying out to you, I'm crying out to you, but you're not answering. Why? And God's saying, There's going to be a period of even more what's going to seem like distance and lack of response. You're not going to hear me, you're not going to see me. Other nations will take over you. But what's the purpose of that? The back is like, but that's, like you said, there's evil here, and your solution is having an even more evil nation draw us out? Like, how is that going to help? Mm. Let them feel the pain of a physical exile so that they can see the sin of their spiritual exile. The message and the silence of turn to me and repent. In the silence, in God's silence, He still pursues us. Even when we don't hear Him, even when we don't see Him, He's still, He is still pursuing us. During the beginning of COVID, there was a 50% surge of Google searches. How to pray. In the silence, people were getting the wake-up call. People were looking out there for answers. I think some qualities of God's voice that we can draw from this is I've got some verses for each of these. God often says something contrary to my nature but not a contradiction to His. If we look at Isaiah 55 8 through 9. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. We'll see a little bit of that. 
of God often saying something contrary to my nature, but not a contradiction to his. Isaiah 55, 8-9 My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So what does that look like on the day-to-day -day when we're praying or when we're looking for answers from God? Don't be an impatient buffoon. One <laughs> <laughs> way of putting it. I mean, how, how much, uh, how, how similar really is it to the three-year-old in the back of the car being like, are we there yet? <sighs> Okay, how long till we get there? Like, I can, at the same time, I can appreciate the perspective of the child. Because the child isn't saying, I don't trust that you'll get me there. Right? That's not what the kid is saying. The kid is saying, like, oh, man, but I want to be there already. Right? Um, and so I think that's what you guys were saying earlier with Habakkuk. Or Habakkuk, however you want to say it. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter to me. Um, but that's that's the, I think the mindset, of, I just want to, I want to be there already as opposed to. Wait. Has anyone ever experienced hearing God's voice and it was something completely contrary to what your thought would be, but you're like, oh, that sounds like God to me. Yeah. Yeah. I've had it at times where. Like within moments, like seconds, where I prayed something, and it's not—it's not an audible voice that I can hear with my ears, but it's a—it's that still small voice inside, where it's like I pray something. Let's say, let's just pick a, a silly, non-actual example. I love chocolate. Anyone who knows me knows I love chocolate. Probably have a sugar addiction. Um, pretty bad. <laughs> Um, let's say I'm praying, I don't even know where I'm going with this, <laughs> uh, I felt like I was going somewhere. Let's say I'm praying like, God, help me to overcome my sugar addiction, and I hear him say, just stop eating it, you don't actually need to eat the carrot instead, I'd be like, <laughs> I don't want to do that, that's completely contrary to what I want to do, I want to eat more sugar, I want to eat more candy. I love Reese's. They're delicious. That's that would be a contrary. That would be contrary to my nature to hear God. I don't know how to do this, and He say, and I hear. Find find something else to snack on. I'd be like, huh. It's just kind of one of those things. that's like, where did that come from? Like, where? How did that get in there? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, that was God because it was contrary to mine. But it's not contrary to, to what God... That's a stupid example, but... <laughs> that's a good example. No, yeah, that's a good one. It's a good parable. Parable of the chocolate. Parable of the chocolate. You got something to do? 
when, nope. when I saw their, you their, their, little, she did, their little Spotify <laughs> thing about dark chocolate, I've been scared of you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right? and I, I heard that about dark chocolate too from you guys. I'm like, oh boy, I like dark chocolate. Oh, dark chocolate. chocolate. That was my one thing, guys. That was my thing. <laughs> <laughs> trying to take all the joy out of my life. Let's look at uh, another quality of God's voice here. So we see that he often says something contrary to my nature, but now I contradiction to his. We can also see that God's voice will confront your sins. John 16, verse 8. I'll read it and go for your turn there if you want. John 16, verse 8. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin, and of God's righteousness, and of the coming judgment. says prove the world like he is going to kind of like what we've seen with what we've been reading tonight is like he's proving that he's going to do this he's not going to say oh I'm not you know he physically is going to um, you know work uh, to accomplish that and prove us wrong like um, us as you know Christian brothers and sisters we all like need to hear to have that reassurance or have that Get, get our answers to our questions that we kind of mentioned earlier, but he's going to, like, answer those, you know, answer our replies and answer those questions that we keep asking. So, I like how it said, prove the world to be in wrong. There's also a power and a weight to God's voice. When he speaks... You know, we can hear it in different ways. We can hear it, you know, how we originally looked at this a few months ago of everything from still small voice to he might cry, he might call out to you. You might hear him when you're worshiping, when you're reading through the Bible. But there's a power to wait to it. Psalm 29 puts it so beautifully. Hey, thanks for listening. It's always a good time when God's presence is with us. I hope you enjoyed it and that you tune in again for the next episode of the Monday Night Godcast.